Psalm 103, and let's start at verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Now think about that for a second. I just don't want to read scripture and just have it fly over our head and just say, okay, that's nice, and then walk out. I really like, what we like to do here in this church is just go deep. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anybody out there this morning, can I get an amen out there? Okay. Uh, I know it's been a busy week. I know some of you guys had some really crazy stuff. How many had a great week this week, but it was crazy in the Lord? Yes. All right. Um, Psalm 103, it says this, verse 7, he made known his ways to who? I feel like I'm teaching kids now. I need to hear some feedback. He made his, those, he made his ways known to Moses. Moses. Amen. Moses. But his acts, and you could, we don't have a but in there, but you can see a contrast, can you? Can't you? His ways to the people of Israel. What is that verse saying to you? Just think about it. it just, what, is it what is that saying to you? This verse has meant a lot to me over the years. Because what it's saying is, is that there's Moses who knows the ways of God. What's the ways of God? Like how God works? The Paul, the, what's that? Operation, God's operational plan, uh, God's way, God's ways, the way He thinks yeah. about things, His policies about how He handles situations, people's failure. Do we know the ways of God about how how to handle people's failure? How about when when our when someone in our family fails? Do we know the ways of God and how to handle that? How about the ways of God in dealing with depression or issues that are in our hearts or in our minds? There's the ways of God. God has a certain way about things. And this way is higher than the ways of man. It's higher than the way we think naturally. I think the biggest thing that we wrestle with, isn't it the biggest thing that we wrestle with, with our own thought life and how to, how to perceive our life and the plan that God has us in? Have you ever tried to figure out your life and the plan of God? It doesn't make sense. I mean, you're walking on the water... In your life, and you're like, I don't know about you, but you're walking on the water, and you're like, my gosh, what is going on here? I took a step of faith into the water, into the plan of God, and there's storms here. You know, we're a new church here. We're just getting started, and new churches that kick off, I don't know how much experience you have with new churches, but it can be fun, right? It can be a rush. (laughs) It can be like, wow, this is pretty exciting. And you're walking on water, and then you realize, what have I just done with my life? You know something? We can know the ways of God because we know the mind of God. There's another group of people here in that verse. Are you catching it here? Are you seeing what's going on? There's another group of people, and it's Israel. And these are people that are more like spectators or people that are kind of like maybe we get the impression here that Israel is kind of like the observers. Maybe not everyone in Israel is really a believer or really knows God. Um, Everyone in Israel here is more like uh, individuals that kind of don't hear the voice of God. They just hear, they see the pillar of fire by night and they see the cloud during, they see the cloud during the day. And they hear, it says in another passage of scripture, it says that God spoke from the pillar. But then it says Israel obeyed. We can kind of see a disconnect there, can't we? Here's my impression of Bible Belt Christianity. Ready? I'm a Yankee. Take this for your, take it or leave it. You can say, I don't agree with the pastor. We got our issues up north. We're Yankees. 
By the way, I understand Yankees are people that are just outside of Texas. You could be a Yankee from Oklahoma, right? Right? Okay, so how many of you have been born outside of Texas? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, that's nice to know. Thanks. You know, I think God, by the way, I think God's moving in the Bible, though. I really think that God's moving. There's a move of God in the South. I really do. And a lot of people talk about religiosity in the South, but I think God's moving in this part of the United States. It's obvious to me. Um, but what I can see happen here is, is that it's very easy to live in a Christian culture, right? Yeah. We live in a Christian culture. Praise the Lord, brother. God is good all the time. I mean, that can turn into a culture, and it can just kind of fly over our heads, and it can become something that's really not part of, think, of us thinking with God in the details of our life. And so what can happen is, is that we can turn into Christian spectators Okay, I'm not going to, I'm tempted to steal something that Pastor TJ shared with me this week, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let him speak on it. But we can, we can turn into Christian spectators and really miss the way God is thinking about things. What is God thinking about your kid? Do we have God's thoughts about our kid? Do we have God's thoughts about our, our spouse? Do I know what God's thoughts are about my spouse? And am I fellowshipping? Am I communing with that? Can I ask you a question? Can I, can I challenge you? Do I know God's ways about my life and the way God is working in my life? I want to finish up with this. What are God's ways? Well, God's ways, we can read in the following verses. I just want to hit the second part of verse 7 here for a second. It says that he made his, he made his deeds in the King James or his acts to the people of Israel. I think it's possible to be a Christian and be a spectator of the incredible miracles the incredible gifts that are happening in a church, the incredible work of God going on in Christianity, and only be a spectator. And actually be in it, but only be a spectator. Amen? Yeah. I think it's very easy to watch what's going on and say, and, and say, you know what? I'm the kind of person that sees that and I say, I want that. I, I really want that. I want a one-on-one experience with God in my life. Because anything else in our life it's just going to be discontentment. Have you ever experienced spiritual discontentment? Or you're like, you know what, God? I want something more. I'm not perfect. I got my issues. You may be saying today, but I want more. I want more of you. That's what Peter was like. Peter had all of his issues. He was compulsive, impulsive, and he was um, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. But you know something? God loves that. There's something that God loves about the hungry and about, um, about the hungry and the humble. If you're hungry and you're ready to hear from God in your life, then I think God's ready to speak to you. And he wants to go, he wants to take, and this is the point I'm making. We're talking about gifts. We're talking about all of these incredible things that God has gifted the church. We're going to hit more on that next Sunday. But you know something? God wants us to go beyond the spiritual bling bling and he wants us to get into the needs of knowing the ways of God and what are the ways of God well we read in verse 7 verse 8 it says the Lord is merciful then we verses 8 all the way down to verse 14 we hear verses about mercy like we hear verses about let's just read these verses and then we'll close the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love when you think about the Lord is that what you think about or you think about the old man in heaven that's ready to come down on top of you with the hammer or waiting for you to make a mistake. The Lord is merciful, meaning that he doesn't give us what we deserve. 
and he is gracious, meaning that he gives us what we don't deserve. Okay, future grace is hope. When I put my hope in the, when I put my faith in, in the future grace of God in my life, guess what? That means hope. The next verse, it says, he will not always chide, nor he will keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. I could just, we could preach all day on that verse. He does not deal with you according to your sins. How many have walked through this door today and said, I'm a sinner, I blew it, I blew it last night, I blew it today, I blew it this morning, I blew it 10 seconds ago. God will not deal with you after your sins. Can I tell you? Somebody may say, well, wait a minute, that sounds a little controversial. No, because God paid for our sins on the cross. God will deal with you and I and who we are in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. God will not deal with you according to your sins. Does he chastise us? Yes, he does, because we're living outside of who we are in Christ. God will not deal with you after your sins. How many times have you sinned and said, you know what? I'm just ready for the judgment of God to come down upon me right now. Okay? God's not going to deal with you like that. God's going to deal with you according to his grace and his mercy, according to what happened at the cross. This is the way of the Lord, isn't it? The way of the Lord is, is that we're not dealing with people after their sins or their failures. Sometimes people, sometimes somebody may be new or they may come into your life and you're like, man, I don't know what to do. This person's annoying me. We need to deal with people after who they are in Christ and really capitalize on that and not try to reform people, not try to conform people to Christianity because Christianity is not about conforming, okay? but it's really about transformation. I don't want to read these verses and close. He does not deal with us according to our sins, amen, nor repay us according to our iniquities. What's iniquity? It's mental attitude sin. It's when I'm living in sin in my mind and it's not something that's been acted out in my life. It's that area of my life that nobody knows about. God's not going to deal with you that way. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Steadfast love. This is not a phobos fear. This is a fear of just honor, love, and respect. Amen? Yes. As far as the east is from the west, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Amen. Big verse right there, Leviticus 16. How many know what Leviticus 16 is talking about? Anybody know? It's the scapegoat, right? The priest would come over and he would confess all the sins of Israel on the scapegoat. Okay, and what would happen with that scapegoat? That scapegoat would be sent into the wilderness by a fit man that was not inhabited. You know what that means today? And I'm going to finish with this. Is that forgiveness doesn't mean that God has just forgiven us. But it also means that God has removed... Just catch this, okay? I want you to catch this. This is a big point and I'm going to... We're going to go to the next part of our service. Forgiveness means that your sins and my sins that we committed three hours ago or whatever they are have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. And that's a, that's a measurement of infinity. Amen. That means for you and I to remember our sins in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 and live in condemnation, we are stealing something from God that does not belong to us. That's what forgiveness means in Hebrew. It means that when you live in all of your memories of your shortcomings and all of your, all of your issues and your stuff, and, you, and sometimes people rehash stuff about their past. I was, you know, don't do that. Talk about who you are today in Christ. Don't do that. Sometimes people don't need to know your whole story because it's not edifying. Just tell them who you are in Christ today. Because when we live 
in the past, and when we live confessing something that God has removed from you that you no longer own, we are committing spiritual robbery. We are taking something, number one, that's not us and does not belong to us. And so when you feel the pressure of sin, the pressure of memory, when you live in the pressure of your shortcomings, um, remember the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is, is that He has forgiven us. We are set apart for His good use. He rejoices. I, I wish God could just peel back to heavens today and show us how happy He is about you and I. I mean, He's rejoicing over us. Can you believe that? Amen? That's just so great. God's not disappointed. God's not depressed. And God's not surprised about what we do. He is rejoicing in us over love. And this is what we need to be equipped with by the body of Christ. This is what we need to understand. This is how God thinks about us. And when we do that, God brings in the gospel in our life. We are acting out the gospel. And we're just seeing God set people free. And that's what this church is all about. Preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, which is this gospel, which I need to preach to myself every day. Amen? Amen. Pray. Father, thank you, God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the way of the Lord. Father, we thank you that we're not just spectators. But Lord, we can step forward and say, God, I want a piece of that. I want to follow you, Lord. And God will say, okay, you ready for the ride of your life? You need to walk by faith. Sometimes it's going to come out of your comfort zone. But you're going to have a, a one-on-one with Jesus Christ. Lord, we're not, Lord, we're just not, we are not, satisfied with the status quo, Sunday going to church, where we want a daily impact with Jesus Christ, where we want a daily fellowship in the body of Christ. We want it all, God, give it to us.